1: The show is a proud media partner for the 11th annual Media Excellence Awards, which are produced by Axis Entertainment in Los Angeles, California. The Media Excellence Awards are recognized as the most influential awards show honoring innovation and leadership in all things mobile entertainment, lifestyle, and technology. For more information on how to submit to these awards, please visit MediaXAwards.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Janice Taylor. She's the CEO and founder at Mizzou. Janice, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Mazzu is much, much needed. We'll kind of get into that um, in a little bit, but maybe let's start off with getting to know you a little bit better and, and where you grew up.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I'm from Canada, but okay. specifically province of Saskatchewan, which you don't necessarily go to Saskatchewan. You either drive through Saskatchewan or you happen to be born there. Sure. But it's a really, really cool place to be born and raised. And I was raised uh, by a single mom. And at about six, you know, it's really when my mom went and got three jobs. And I really became a child of the village. And I instantly was raised, I always jokingly say, by like the United Nations because. In the 80s in Canada, if you immigrated to Canada, they often said, well, you got to go do a stint in Saskatchewan. And if you can make it through Saskatchewan winter, you can probably (laughs) live anywhere else in Canada. So that was, you know, I was really a child of the village. All these beautiful families really raised me because we didn't have anything. And they didn't have anything either, but they really opened their homes and and I became a fixture at many, many kitchen tables. Interesting. Yeah, so that sort of laid the groundwork. Um, not knowing of course then that I would ever enter the tech startup world. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
3: Just,
2: no, not a test. But that really laid the groundwork for me to understand fundamentally community and more importantly, core values and, and how we're more alike than we are different. And that that foundation for me has been the rock bed of everything I've done since then. Sure. So
1: before we dive maybe a little bit deeper into that, you went to university. What did you take in university and why?
2: Um, you know, I was really led to psychology, which most people are jokingly say you do a psych degree so you can fix yourself. So I kind of went <laughs> to try to figure out like why I was the way I was. And sure. I ended up doing a psych degree and, and with a thesis option, which I ended up studying women okay. of all things and um, particularly focused on women and self-esteem. So I went to university sort of with this mindset of like trying to understand what happens to us in our environments and our families, this brokenness that we all kind of experience. And I wanted to get to the root of it. And so doing that degree really sort of, again, shed more light on my experience being a unique experience and common to some others as well.
1: Sure, no, that's, that's interesting. So you get out of university, walk me through kind of your journey to founding and becoming CEO of a company.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I I think a lot of people that grow up in an environment where you don't have anything, in some cases, you kind of get trapped into the vortex of that and you repeat the cycle. And I was kind of on the other side of the spectrum where I was so determined to not be poor anymore. Okay. And so wealth creation became a very big focal point for me in some ways. And so I jumped into real estate investing, went from real estate investing, and I was into pharmaceutical sales. But I'd always stayed really connected in so many ways to like what's happening in our environments and then about 2009 you know after sort of living this business side of the world i bought about 27 houses from the wow. first five thousand dollars i could could have and i got to that point where i was like okay i've done this system so what's really the point of my life okay and in 2009 is when i noticed there was a market difference. In, in the neighborhoods in Saskatchewan and I wonder what had happened. And it was like literally I was hit with a two by four and I started to look around the neighborhood and nobody was outside playing. Sure. So in Canada, we play shinny. Yeah. I'm like, where's the hockey nets in the driveway? Totally. And, and, <laughs> I remember and those like, days. School. You remember yeah, those days? Of course, I got yeah. to, When I was walking my kids to school, I have two little girls at the time and parents weren't getting out of the cars. And then I went to a hockey game um, and watch my nephew play, who was six, okay. and parents were screaming their heads off. I know at at like refs and yep. each other and kids, yep. and I was like, "Did everyone go and lose their goddamn mind?" Like that's what I thought. No nope, Like, and I was like, "What's happened?"
3: Yep.
2: And it it literally that that was the that day and a culmination of a few months. I I was awakened to a very, very big difference in our physical neighborhoods, and I wondered what had happened. Interesting. Yeah, so I literally had to Google, like, how to make a tech company. Really? And and the the reason why I thought it was tech, I thought, well, if technology has, has been the biggest change in our physical neighborhoods in our lives... If it's caused the problem, could I use technology to solve it? That's all I thought. From a psychological point of view, when we look at a problem, we go, okay, well, here's the problem. What caused it? Could the same device be used to solve it? And at the time, my girlfriend said to me, she's like, you should check out this thing called Facebook. And again, Saskatchewan (laughs) is kind of the last place on the planet that does anything. And so... It was like 2009, and we were entering Facebook. Everyone else had heard about it in 2004, which is kind of the, if you know anything about Canadian ways, this is kind of typical. Sure. And I opened up Facebook, and I went, oh, my God, this is going to go bad. That's all I thought. I'm no. like, this is going to go bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she's like, what do you mean? Isn't it so amazing to talk all to these people from high school? I'm like, you never liked the men. I go, why are you talking to them now? Yeah, I said, and now you're going to bring them into your lives and your personal life. I'm like, this is going to go bad. And the second thing I wanted to know when I looked at it, I said, okay, who's getting paid? Sure. Cause I said, someone's making money here and it sure isn't me. Sure. And so if they're making money, how are they making money? And, and that's all I could think about. And this is 2009, and that's when I said, I googled how to make a tech company. So that's how my journey started into the tech startup world.
1: Okay, so walk me through that journey and how you came up with the idea for Mazu, and what exactly is it?
2: Um, so, so Mazu is a family content messaging um, platform that specifically focuses on values and love, and that okay. will sound in this in this day and age kind of odd, but. <laughs> when you go back to when you go back to how communities and societies and tribal communities are built, there's a fundamental core values that most people within a given community will agree to respect, honesty, truth. And, and those core values really lay the foundation for who you are to become in the world. And if you don't have your values, you really don't have anything. And so when I entered the world of social media, I noticed that a username and password was all that was required. And unfortunately, most of us have made the assumption that our core values have come with us that we have in our real lives. But as we've seen on Twitter, (laughs) Facebook, (laughs) Instagram, (laughs) even by the president of the United States and anybody else in between, values are no longer a requirement. And so if we think about social media and the word social, socialization is, you know, it's a very specific um, way that people learn about who they are in a social environment. So you have the psychological self, which is your individual, and then you have the sociological impacts of that. And so when we look, when I looked at it, I noticed that that whole system was torn apart and broken down. And, and so what Mazu does is we bring children back to, and families back to the basics. How do okay. children learn values? How do we socialize our families? And how do we live in a community that speaks to those values? And so going back to the original story of my life, you know, families raised me from China, German,
0: uh, cool.
2: Polish, Ukrainian. I had a First Nations Cree family that was so fundamental to my, to my upbringing. And every single one of those families had very common core values. Their culture was different. They ate different food, but they had this real clear core value. And I'll never forget Mr. Belgard saying to me, Janice, you know, character is your only thing that you have. And it's your character bank, so spend it wisely. And so what Mazu does is it really takes what used to happen in our old school lives into new school technology. Yeah, that's interesting. So that, yeah, going, so we really, in our ways, we kind of disrupt the way we think about, you know, if social media is here to stay, and I'm a parent, and I have, I have a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old, if social media is here to stay, is there a way to do it better? Is there a way that speaks to our actual humanity? Sure. See, right now, the way that social media is built, it's built on a fear-based system. And a fear-based system is your lowest common denominator of self
3: okay your ego
2: is activated and you just want to feed that beast likes but like buttons are what what really like buttons are is what we would say in psychology pavlov's dog on steroids interesting so it's really it's the bell but the most fascinating thing about that is we become so conditioned to rely on it that when love real love and the proper food for your life is facing you you are so addicted And in the vortex of the like button, you don't even notice what's staring at you in the face. And now, if you think about that, if you go to any kind of sporting event now with your kids and your kids are playing, look at the stands. How many parents are looking at their phones? And so we're looking at our phones. We're bringing out our phones. We're not even present in a lot of those moments for children they don't come into the world with a device in their hand. We give them one. Yeah. And we begin to condition children too early to things in the vortex. And I call the vortex is really, you know, anything in the social media current environment, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Sure. When we think about those social environments, they're changing how children see themselves. And, and that's irresponsible. But you also think,
1: well, I, I, correct me if I, like, tell me your opinion on this like, I don't think it's just children. Like, I know some adults (laughs) in their 30s that still buy into the Hollywood illusion of somebody's glorious Mm -hmm. Instagram life, right? Like, and but you actually know that person and you're like, okay, you did your hair and makeup and you planned all these photos for Instagram. Like, that's not even your life. So, Mm -hmm. and you're in your 30s. So, like, obviously, I think it's it's worse for kids because... I, I think kids are kids naturally believe stuff more, maybe. But yes. I, I think, like, I know some adults in my immediate friend group that still buy into the, like, crazy social media thing. And just for some context, like, I recently quit Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp just because, like, Facebook owns the three of those because mm-hmm. of the final straw for me was kind of all the data leak Uh, Stuff that happened not too long ago, but there's been a handful of things and like it was just and I will tell you honestly Not that I checked any of those that often but like I am so relieved and I have never missed anything So well, I don't miss it at all like I and I've never missed I I don't miss it at all like it's to the point where I'm almost like relieved Mm. that that's not even part of my life Those those networks. I'm still on Twitter. And I use LinkedIn all the time. But like those three kind of things, I do not miss at all. And I've missed them probably the least out of anything that I can ever think of.
2: (laughs) Well, it's so interesting that you experience that because, you know, if we think about adults. So, like, so I'll just refer to this as the vortex. Okay. So, when you're inside the vortex, it's a rat maze. Sure. So imagine a whole bunch of, bunch of rats running around. Now, the, the rat actually, the psychology in the part of your brain is very, very young. Okay. And so it's very rudimentary. And so because it's very rudimentary, it may hit into your emotional being. But really what happens in there is that most of us ultimately become children.
3: Oh, and interesting.
2: So, <laughs> so okay. otherwise grown adults don't even know that they're what we would say activated in their wound. When you are activated in your fear-based self, any part of insecurity that you may have had at any point in your life, you will go to that emotional age.
3: Okay, So your
2: emotional age, most people experience a wounded part of their life between birth and 10 years old. Sure. And, and your parents divorce, your dad's an alcoholic, a workaholic, your mom's not available. Like just think about all the things that you deal with or the, what, how the world sort of kicks the crap out of you. Sure. And so all of a sudden, these well-intended um, you know, Silicon Valley gods come up with a system where you get to telegraph your life all the time and pretend that you're something other than what you are. Sure. So, but what's really activated in there is your 10-year-old self, is your child self, the sure. one that wants to be loved. And so, so it's really very simple when you look at it. And those that have done any sort of work in the addiction studies, what we know about addiction – is that addiction is really the feeling of unworthiness. It, it really has its roots in numbing and what we say, numbing and stuffing. So most people will choose alcohol, pornography, all the different ways to avoid feeling their feelings. And, okay. and it sounds soft and cozy, but it's actually science.
3: Interesting. And so
2: you don't want to feel how you want to feel, so you're going to pretend to be something other than what you are. And so what these guys figured out, and maybe they did it intentionally or not, it doesn't matter. The fact is they now know. And the fact is they don't give a shit. Sure. And so like, they're going to say sorry till the cows come home. But as long as they're making billions of dollars, it doesn't really yeah, matter. Yeah, they don't care. You know, they don't care because they have your attention economy. But what they really have is your wounded wounded self. Interesting. And so the fascinating thing about the Vortex for me is that it is the most mass. Unconsciousness of our time.
3: Sure.
2: And all ad- all addiction really has its roots in is it. I want to be unconscious. I don't want to feel what I have to feel. Yep. And so, you know, that's what, what these spaces have ultimately created. And once you're in the vortex and once you're in a filter bubble, the algorithms will keep you there sure. and it will pervade. It's a predator. It will just prey on your wounds. It just preys on your fears. And really, what all ultimate human beings, ultimately all human beings believe is that who they are is not enough. They don't they don't believe that they are enough as they are. Sure. And so it is it is the greatest predator of our times.
1: Interesting. So how are you guys providing a solution for that because I think you guys really huh. are.
2: We are. Yeah, you know that it sounds crazy in some ways, but I said to my team all the time, I said, you know, we're making the 12 steps for digital. <laughs> <laughs> and so so if you think about the 12 steps, sure. uh, the very first step that I believe that we can tap into in our human consciousness is children. Okay. You know, those, if you have young children now. Yeah. When you have these children, there is something so primal about that feeling that even the most, you know, unconscious addictive state, when we have these babies, they just change us. And and, and by tapping into that, I can begin to educate parents and, and create an awareness to parents, parents that say, hey, you want to spend your Saturday nights on Instagram? Great, but just don't put your kids there. And so sure. so what we slowly do is we try to pull parents out of the vortex, put them into a space that speaks to them as a family. Don't exploit their data or their privacy, but really bring them into a nurtured, loving space. I call it the dry out period. Okay. <laughs> So you need sense. a space to dry out. You need to dry out. You're high. So you need a moment where it's just about love, just about you, just about your family. And so, and then I, I, if I can sort of do it as the same analogy, when I was a kid, my home life was chaotic.
3: Okay. No one
2: was there. The house was empty and we barely had food. And when I go to my dad's house, he was a drunk. So there was parties raging there. And so basically I had a real life version in the 80s of social media. All the things I shouldn't see, I did.
1: Interesting. And so
2: but I had in my neighborhood all these really wonderful loving families and I sure. got to experience love through their eyes. Okay. Now it wasn't my family, but at least in the village I could go there and quote unquote dry out. I I had breaks from chaos. And so what Mazu does is it's a rocket ship that runs along the vortex of chaos. And pulls people into love, into a place that they can feel that. And even if they go back to the vortex, we're still giving a place of calm. We need calm. We need love. We need reasoning. We need truth. Um, We can't live in a constant activated egoic state like we do in social media, reacting to the latest tweet all the damn time. Our, Our beings are not built for that. We need a balance between fear and love
1: no i i think that makes a lot of sense but well I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this do you think that we're too sensitive with things nowadays and i'm not saying like i i know there are certain things that obviously like we should stand up for but do you think that we're kind of well i i guess i'll give you i'll give an example um i remember going on family vacation and we're driving down the the, the highway you know between cities obviously you're going fast and I remember like kids laying across the back window right and it's like (laughs) I'm not saying we should we should allow that because that's clearly very very dangerous right but like there's Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that we do now that I feel like we try to like bubble proof our our children and and I'm kind (laughs) of like and I'm not saying we should allow that but like that's like one extreme Mm -hmm. right where like Maybe that was, like, a illegal or, like, I remember my dad saying in the 70s, like, they'd be driving to the lake and he would have, like, a beer between his legs, like, as they were driving down mm-hmm. the road. And, like, if you got pulled over by the cops, they would literally just, like, dump out your beer and, like, you'd carry on. And I'm not saying yeah. I, 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 I like, agree with, like, drinking and driving or, like, your kids laying across that. But, like, I, I think, like, that's one extreme. But, like, now to, nowadays I feel like we're just trying to, like, bubble wrap our kids and, like – that nothing bad or even maybe good can happen to them. We just want them to have yeah. this kind of like straight path to like adulthood. And like, we don't want them to kind of experience either extreme good or bad. Like, do you agree with that or, yes. or what's your thoughts on that?
2: 100%. So you said something that was so interesting. You can't experience good or bad. So in a, in a numb and stuffing addictive sort of world that we currently have, where we don't want to feel anything because all emotion is bad emotion. Sure. And so what we essentially are doing is, is we are already in a very activated fear-based state. We fear each other more than any other yeah, time. Totally. Everybody is a terrorist. Everyone's trying to kill us. Everyone's totally. trying to steal our kids because the social spaces that we're spending, 2.2 billion people every day pick up their phone 200 times a day. And so what you really have is a very, very activated fight or flight. Someone is always dying and someone is always trying to kill me. So they have this sort of what we would say, this really sort of activated hormonal state in their beings. Biologically, when you are in fight or flight, all you are is in a sphere. And so what happens when we have these children, the emotion takes over us. We feel nothing but love for them. It's insane how much we care about them, but we are in this, this activated space ourselves so when it comes to our kids we now think the boogeyman is everywhere yeah, yeah. we think that if our children don't have a device they're not going to be bill gates the genius yep. you know if they if i don't put them in everything and try them in every event they're going to be stunted humans Where actually the reverse is really true we what we really need to get back to is a balanced state so like okay. our parents you know, in those days, we could experience some funny and some chaos, and it, it wasn't like, you don't need to be fired, and your job is over. But again, in an activated state, all you really want is doing is to kill all the fears that you have that are coming up for you. We don't have a sense of love and acceptance for each other, let alone any sort of faults that we may have with each other, because we all have them. Sure. And so in a numb and stuff experience where you are so unconscious, any change of emotion, good or bad, we don't know how to really sort of allow that to pass through our beings in a normal way. And because we're afraid of each other, we've created this scenario where everybody is evil and awful and the devil. Like everybody is out to hurt us and everybody's yeah. out to kill us in some way. Sure. But really, our parents didn't really fear each other that much. Totally. Because they were on the same team. Yeah, fair. And, Interesting. And I was like... When my mom went to work when I was six, she worked three jobs, and okay. I was instantly like this kid of this village, and I like wandered the neighborhood. And I remember, like, a parent would be like, Janice, get your ass home, or I'm going to phone Marilyn at work. You know, that's how yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah. Sure. No one phoned social services and said to my mom, you know, you got to take your kids away. Like, there wasn't this sort of level of panic and extreme shifts and swift. Like, we're just going through these pendulum shifts at such a rapid rate that we don't have, what I call again, dry out, calm, love and acceptance periods in our life where we actually see that we're all on the same team. And we're kind of all in it together. Sure. And we're not in that state because all we're trying to do is eat our yellow, essentially, Interesting. as a society. And so, and, and it's very, like, when you look at it logically and you sort of step out of this this vortex that we're in, we don't necessarily need to know about everybody's life in complete, full details. Sure. Um, but we do need to understand that at the same time, that person who's across from us has fears and wounds and insecurities just like us. Sure. And we, and we make mistakes. And, you know, when our parents did get pulled over, they didn't take the kids away and say they're a drunk with the DOI and how do we throw this? Let's throw the book at them. The cop would literally say, "Dump your beer out. Don't drink and drive." And by the way, they should probably wear seatbelts. <laughs> you know? Like yes. it wasn't yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, and it's
1: weird, right? Because yeah. like some people like are mortified when you say something like that. And I don't mean that that should be like law, but it's just like we went like it. It wasn't that long ago. Like it was a few decades ago. It was basically in the nineties when I saw kids like. You know, across yes. that back seat, And I'm not saying I want to do that. But like, we've gotten so like everybody so gets far. a particip- participation ribbon. And like, I, I get that. Yes. Like, sure, that comforts a kid maybe now, but like life doesn't work like that. And life gets no. a lot harder. And I think as you have more and more adult responsibilities, and you have kids of your own. And you're like, well, oh, crap, hmm. right? Like, like well, life is hard sometimes.
2: And you've, you've, touched, you've touched on something that is just like this running theme in our lives. When we talk about like sort of a fear based on conscious society, what also is in that and the underpinnings about is scarcity. And so when you okay. go into a scarcity mentality versus an abundant mentality, you don't really have a lot of faith okay. in anything other than just you. So the ego tells you the only person you can count on is me. You know, like sure. it's the same thing when Mark Zuckerberg stands in front of everyone and says, well, if you don't have Facebook, you don't have a relationship. Like, that's just such a crock of shit. Sure. You know, like it's, it's a, if you if you begin to hand your power over to someone else and believe that this is like, oh, this external thing and only rely on myself and, you know, screw everybody else. When you are in that state, you really don't practice acceptance love have faith in the greater good you also at the same time are in a scarcity mentality so why why should every child be the best at everything maybe they just need to be the best at what they're supposed to be the best at sure you know we we don't look at it that way we think that everyone has to be everything has to win everything needs to be at the top of everything and when we're in that state, if everybody's trying so hard to be right and to win, that means everybody is wrong and everybody loses. Sure. But like, and, no, keep and going, it's sorry. just so messed up. It's no. just so messed up.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think the other thing too, and, and maybe it's just because like I started realizing this kind of, I'm, I'm 35, just so you have some context. I think I started really realizing this in the last year or two. It's like, it's not even really about like whatever success, it's what success means to you or happiness Mm -hmm. right like if you're if you're fine being in the top hundred or top thousand or you don't even care if you make the scoreboard but you're happy like is that bad i don't think so right like do you need to be the best at something if like if if you're happy making minimum wage and you live a calm life and you're happy and you check in and check out you work your nine to five monday to Friday. I get that shift work or whatever, but just hypothetically, and you mm-hmm. make minimum wage and you get by and you're happy with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Or if you make yeah, a bill, if you if you make a if you're the first trillionaire in on the planet and you're happy, fine. But there's a lot of people at both kind of the richest and the poorest that are the happiest and the unhappiest, right? At both kind of mm-hmm. sides of the spectrum, right? And so it's always kind of fascinated to fascinated me that it's like do you what does it mean to be the best at something and like if you're the best of something i think there's a lot more pressure because the Mm -hmm. only way you can go is down if you're number one like if you're the wealthiest person on the planet the only place you can go is down right and i think people never think about like that
2: and i think you said something that's so interesting about it is When you have this, like, external identifier that, like, oh, that's the version of success. Like, if we just looked at Forbes this week, right?
3: Kylie Jenner,
2: that's the version of success, right? So her life, where her calling is, what she's doing, she's made $900 million. Now everybody wants a new lip gloss, right? like So, okay, so we're all going to run after that. But what if we flip the conversation around? So, like, when I work with different startups and mentor them, I always say, okay, what problem are you solving? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, there is a problem born specifically to you, to you and your life, that your life already, has all the ingredients, whether it's your, your race, the town you lived in, the parents you had, your sexual orientation, all of those are like clues. And then there'll be a pervasive sort of problem that showed up in your life that only you can really solve because sure. you know it so intimately.
3: Yeah.
2: And when you say that... They're like, oh, well, I know I, I. this really makes me very sad. This is where my pain is. This is a problem. I'm like, great. Now decide what the vehicle is for you to solve it. Is it the best lip gloss? Is it a tech startup? Is it? Are you going to become a rocket scientist? Who knows? Sure. But when we, when we don't actually look within ourselves and say, okay, what am I to do with my life that serves a greater good? And this is the question I always ask people. How are you serving your life? for the greater good. Sure. Not about making $900 million. If I ever met Kylie Jenner, I'd say to her, how is it what you do? How does it serve the greater good? And if she says it does this, this and this, I'd be like, good on you then. That's your, that's your calling. That's your path. But we spend so much time trying to decide the vehicle first without actually understanding what you're supposed to do with your life yeah and then when you stay in scarcity when you say oh look at my life it's been so terrible all these things have happened to me you know this is what's gone on I'm like okay great so now what are you going to do with it now that you know that so well totally and and I think if we switch the conversation from defining success to actually the conversation should be about what problem are you supposed to solve sure. so like even right now everyone's yelling all oh, women to get in tech. Women should get in tech. Women should get in tech. And I'm a woman in technology. And, and someone will say to me, well, don't you tell every woman to get in tech?" And I'm like, "No." Interesting. And they're like, "Why not?" And I'm like, "Well, if her problem that she's supposed to solve requires technology, then yep. I tell her to fair get yes. her button tech."
3: Totally. Yeah. Fair. Right? <laughs>
2: if her problem that she's born to solve is in, in accounting, I tell her to be an accountant. You know, like. Yep. But it's like we're telling people to jump into industries and to become vehicles. Before we know what fuel they're going yep. to use, totally because if you don't know your problem, your problem is your fuel. Sure. Like, there's days in this nine year journey, um, being in the women, women, and you know, being a woman in technology from sure. them thinking I'm a waitress or a call girl to everything in between. You know, it, it, it's if I didn't know that this problem was mine to solve, I would have quit,
3: yeah, you know, interesting,
2: and, and so. There's no version of success in this other than the fact that I know that had I not experienced the most horrible sort of childhood in some ways, blessed with so many blessings of this family around me, sure I would never have understood how it feels to grow up an abandoned kid interesting i because I know that so so profoundly and it still can make me cry sure that. I knew that I could, I never needed to fear my neighbors because my neighbors raised me. Yeah. Interesting. And and so because of that, if I didn't have the flip side of the pain, so I had a painful experience, but the flip side was love that I could ultimately become a tech entrepreneur. Yeah.
1: No, I, I, and I so no, keep going.
3: Sorry.
2: It's interesting, but, it, but I think that that's, we need to like throw out the word success. Yep. And we just throw out the word of all of that and say, what problem do you think you're supposed to solve?
3: Sure. No. And I, when you focus agree. on that,
2: people explode. They, yeah. they they like blow up. Like yeah. they're so lit up and so alive. They forget about all the other things yeah. that are out there for them to do. It's totally. really fascinating.
1: No, I, I, I think that's amazing. And I 100% agree with you because when when you phrase it in a way that's so simple that people almost say like, wow that's such a simple way of putting it. I never thought of it like that. I I think Mm -hmm. it it almost comes back to like, and it sounds again, kind of stupid to say, but like anybody that's ever been successful in any industry since the beginning of time just decided to go for it one day. Mm -hmm. Like it sounds stupid, right? But like Mm -hmm. name anybody you admire, like that's been successful. They just decided to go for it one day. Like, Any actor, musician, filmmaker, Kylie Jenner is—it's Kylie, right? That this like was on Forbes, whatever. One of the Kardashians basically decided to just go for it one day. Sure, she's got like Mm -hmm. everybody can say, oh, she's got a big famous family. But like, there's a lot of people that don't have a famous family that like just decided to go for it one day and are super successful. Whatever that means. I, I and I think separating success with monetization is.
3: Yeah.
1: Key, to, key to this, because like money can be tied to that, but it doesn't have to be tied to that. Like, I, you know, like I, I think like if you're if you're satisfied with wherever you're at, whether money's a factor or not, I, I don't think it needs to be always tied to money. That that's my opinion.
2: No, you're 100 percent right. But we are so in love yeah. with this, the, the monetization of, of our lives. Yeah, that we're not even really in love with our lives. Sure. Like, you know, like it's, it, it it's, or, and we don't even really like ourselves in so many ways sure. when we're in the vortex. And, you know, interesting, I, I had this conversation when I first decided to do this tech startup. Everyone sure. thought I was crazy because my mom worked at what we would call sh- like a Walgreens, but like Shoppers Drug Mart for Canada for sure. 30 years as a cashier. Okay. And so I have no pedigree for any of this, like, I went to the University of Regina. Like, it's not like I went to, like, Stanford. Yeah, but I, I think that's uh, anyway. also
1: inspiring, right? Like, in itself. Yeah, like, you don't of need course. To, you don't even need to go to university. You don't even need to graduate high school to be no. successful.
2: Not at all. And you just kind of go for it. Yeah. And I remember um, when I decided I was going to do this, the second letter I wrote after I figured out, wrote this manifesto for a tech company was to the Oprah show. Okay. And I said to my mom, you know, I'm gonna go to Oprah and she's like, No way (laughs) Three (laughs) days later I had a call from the Oprah show and off I went. You know, so but I remember Oprah during that time she said, you know, you know, do what you love and follow your vision and the money will follow that. Sure. And you know, and so but right now what we're doing is we're following money and then we're trying to like make shift a vision. Yeah, yeah. And as a result of that, you're 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 not actually living authentically. You're not living the life that you were supposed to live. Yep. Like you're not meant to be maybe you are meant to be Howard Stern, but maybe you're not cuz there's only one Howard Stern, right? Yep. Like
3: Totally. You know, I 100% if, agree. If you
2: think you think of that, right? There's only one Kylie Jenner. Good for her. Yep. I hope she uses her life in every capacity to serve something bigger than herself. Sure. Um That's the thing I always say to people, you know, the the richness of your life, and instead of the success of your life, the richness of your life is how are you using your life and your story to serve something bigger than you?
3: Sure.
2: And, and when you do that, it can be in the smallest way, like you could be just, you know, the head of the PTA, and that's how you're serving,
3: Sure.
2: or are you, are you building a tech company, or are you building whatever you're going to build and use your life with? But the thing that I always say that the only reason why we have problems in the world is because we're not actually spending enough time solving them.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. I never thought of it like that simple. Like that. I get it's way more complicated than just that statement. But you're right. Like if you take even Jeff Bezos, I was having this conversation with like a a good buddy of mine. It's like okay, he's the wealthiest guy on the planet right now. If he took like um, even like a quarter of his net worth, or even half of it, right? Like his life would not change at all. He'd still be able to do, buy, whatever materialize, materialistic stuff mm-hmm. he could ever dream of, but like he could solve some real problems globally.
2: Real problems. And uh, like, uh, maybe yeah. it's
1: unfair to pick on him, but like, I mean, like people with like extreme wealth, like if they they could mm-hmm. really make a huge impact if they choose to, right?
2: Right, Without totally. being and really it- affected. But you you always just sort of, for me, I'm always like, what's their intention? Yeah. You know, and so I'm always like looking at it. It doesn't matter who it is. It's sort of like, have they figured out that their life carries a greater calling than just to be the wealthiest guy in the world?
1: But then I guess the the devil's advocate of that is like, if he earned it, and I think Jeff Bezos in in this case, like, has earned it. Like, is, like, why is he obligated to give back? Right? Like, (laughs) right?
2: Because there's no other purpose for our lives.
1: Yeah, but I- exactly. So you're kind of like, and, and I and, watch them. And
2: his, and, his and his give back may not be, I'm just going to give to charity. Sure. His Fair give enough. back That's is fine. to understand that, you know, his give back is to understand that he's just a guy.
3: Sure. You
2: know, and, and if he, so they always say, I always say to my team and, and to, on my own journey with this, it's like, how clear is your filter? if the buck stops with me then sure. I'm not actually doing Then I'm not serving. If I think it's my job to hoard the cash of the world and to hoard the ideas of the world, and I don't actually use my life to serve, then I've just become the exact version of an egoic, idolatry living life. I have no sure. desire to be that. Sure. No, 100% so, agreed. you know, so I think they either clear the filter out or the, buck. if the buck stops with them sure. and it, and it ends up collecting around them without passing through them. Sure. Um, then I'm always like, hmm, I'm not so sure. But you know, like I I think the greater question about it is really is to understand that when you're really using your life to serve problems of the world mm-hmm. and you become sometimes I'm the pilot of my journey and sure. sometimes I'm a co pilot and sometimes I'm just a passenger of someone else's. Yeah.
3: Um
2: and how do you make everybody else around you better sure. is the greater question.
3: No,
1: so I think I why, why
2: isn't there twenty more Jeff Bezos who are all he's mentoring and each of them are doing twenty different things of you know, like I don't know, I don't know the guy. Sure. Um perhaps he is. But I think the greater question is we we idolize these tech tycoons or totally. gods.
3: Yeah.
1: And
2: that's just a that's just a pure form of codependent sickness. It's weird, right? Like it's it's weird. It's messed up for me. And I said, it's no different than the abusive boyfriend that you think is okay.
3: Wow, um, interesting. And
2: so, so when the abusive boyfriend says, "You need me, and without me, you're nothing," like that's where I always tell the girls of the world: give a giant middle finger to that guy.
3: Interesting. Um, sure. And so,
2: anytime, anytime we look at any of these, you know, tech tycoons as some some form of God, whether it's Elon Musk, Jeff sure. Bezos, you know, like Steve Jobs would probably yeah. go right down to Mark Zuckerberg. Like anytime we're looking at these guys as though they hold some key or some answer to our lives, we're trading – really, we're trading ourselves for them.
1: Sure. 100% and they're agree. just guys. Yeah. They're just guys. Yeah, they're just regular people.
2: They're just dudes. Yeah. And the moment you idolize them, you stop living your own life.
1: Yeah. No, that's, that's – hundred. yeah, that's fascinating.
0: Thanks for listening to Building the Future. This show is heard by more than a million people monthly in over 15 markets worldwide, including Silicon Valley. Kevin Horick's guests are leading business owners, successful entrepreneurs, and merchandisers worldwide. Now, your brand has an opportunity to tap into this dedicated and active group of business people who are looking for places to invest and the right opportunities to support. Find out how you can get involved at buildingthefutureshow.com.
1: So I, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit because I think it almost is a perfect segue. You guys work with some huge kind of sports teams. How do you guys yeah. kind of partner with these professional sports teams? And and what what exactly is the reason you guys decided to do it?
2: Well, you know, the interesting was when you're looking for a go-to-market strategy, like how could I build a brand sure. inside of someone else's brand? That was initially first. The second part of it was um, what do families talk about? Okay. So I asked the question, what do families, when they get around a kitchen table, what do they talk about? If you're from Saskatchewan, we're talking about Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you have yep. no choice. That's that a football
1: the team just for people that know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: So, so, you know, you talk about this sort of football, whatever it is, right? Sure. And sports, by and large, are aspirational. Yep. We, we look at sports figures in so many ways to be inspired by, sure. by their stories. And so when we're looking to inspire the next generation of kids around values, sports felt like a natural place for me, as does music now that we're moving into that industry. Sure. Is that I believe that if they've reached that pinnacle point in their, in their goals, they have nothing more than an obligation but to be a role model for kids around their values. And so the Chicago Blackhawks were our first team um, that we spoke to them about how do you inspire a next generation of fans around values versus contract sizes and sponsorships? Sure. Because quite frankly kids are not inspired by that. They couldn't give a crap what you're doing with that.
3: Interesting. Um,
2: and so but so much of the business of sports has become the for- forefront of their brands. That's why everyone in L.A. is so excited that the King is coming, right? Like,
3: (laughs) you know, like
2: LeBron's coming. And it's not even just because of that. It just makes us feel so alive and so good. And so sports was a natural place for us to go. So we started in the NHL, then we moved into the NBA. Okay. We just received, we have major league soccer, even premier league. We're working on the NFL and baseball.
3: Okay.
1: And
2: then now we have two rappers that we started to speak to. Very cool. And, you know, rappers are really interesting. You know, they have an interesting culture and a history.
3: Sure.
1: And,
2: and they have so much in their root story. When I say the root story, like the roots of where they come from. Yeah. And so they often feel a very, very direct obligation to the next generation to really sure. inspire them to That's great. help them use their lives. And so there's lots of that. So we look at what we call Mazu Makers. Um, okay. So Mazu Makers are really like, if you have a message for kids, come share it at Mazu because we're here to inspire kids to become the best version of themselves. Sure. And, and they can only do that with truth, with values. And they need to see themselves at the values first, not how much money they make, not the contracts they have, and not who they date. Sure. They don't yeah. care about that. No, that's Kids fair. just want to feel inspired. And when I grew up, you know, there was on, you know, in the 80s, we had one cable channel and it was Detroit Tigers baseball.
3: Okay. And we had
2: WDIV Detroit was the one cable channel we got. And I seriously wanted to be Alan Tramble. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I love this guy. Sure. sure. <laughs> and, you know, it was like in the 80s with Sparky Anderson. And so I was eight years old, and I said to my mom when we had no money, I said, I'm going to become a baseball player. And she was like, you're going to what? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, I got no money for that. And thankfully, the league paid for my fees and gave me a free glove, and I played my first season of baseball with strawberry shortcake running because mom sure. couldn't afford any cleats.
3: Right. And
2: so, But it was, the, it was the roots of sport. Sure. And when we look at the true foundation of sport is that we all want to feel good and inspired. That's why we're all loving it in so many ways.
1: No, fair enough. And I, I think the thing is, too, like, whether you actually play in a league or just kind of, like, at a local rink or basketball court or something, like, it, it doesn't really matter. Like, if you're talented, it, it's kind of like, I, I guess the best analogy I've ever heard is kind of like, everybody can hold a guitar, but it really matters, like, who's holding the guitar. And, like, it doesn't matter yeah. if the guitar is worth, like, thousands of dollars or a few hundred dollars. Like, there's people that are just extremely talented – in all aspects mm-hmm. of it right and so it's not really mm-hmm. about the equipment or gear you have it's about like the talent and figuring out what your talent is and how to kind of harness yeah. that and kind of how to like apply that to yeah. your own happiness in a lot of cases and yes. i think that happiness can, can like buy you I, I i think it's like it buys you freedoms which i think leads to happiness but like But freedom doesn't necessarily have to mean, like, you don't have to work or you have this, like, mansion. It, like, in some cases, I think it buys you freedom to kind of choose what you want to do. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Is that maybe crazy? Totally.
2: Yeah, no, no, I think, I think what you just said is like, I believe everyone has an instrument within themselves. Totally. And so their instrument could be musical, it could be writing, it could be art, it could be science, it could be anything. Yeah. And so when we focus on the fact, again, it's that you have a problem to solve and the exact gift that you have in order to solve it and to also then have it as an expression to the world. And, you know, there's only so many people that can be LeBron James, right? There's only so totally. many people that can be Kylie Jenner. And it's wonderful for them that they have found their gift and are utilizing their gift to serve the world. I think that's terrific. Yep. But every person has that. Totally. But when we spend so much time in a fake, I would say completely fake, fear-based vortex of our current social media, we are yep. not actually using our life. Totally. Because we are spending sometimes four to five hours a day in social media. That's yep. four to five hours a day that you could be spending on your own life.
1: Or, or building your own career or business yes. or, or startup yes, completely. or chasing yes, your anything. passion. Right? Writing walking, the next song. Walking in Doesn't the nature. You know, yeah, like, playing basketball. See,
2: yeah, like seeing who you are. When yep. we're lost in the vortex, yep. the only person that's actually reaching anything in the vortex is yep. the people that own it. Yep. So whoever owns that media – they're yeah. the ones that are actually living their dreams because they're making the billions of dollars, and they're using you to yep. do it. Totally. And so it's, stop giving your life away. Like, interesting. It's worth something, and like, that's why I refuse to spend time in there, and I just won't give them my life. Like, sorry, you just I'm sorry, you just don't get my life. like, <laughs> like I've got one life, I've got so much yep. time, I've got to spend it wisely. Sure. And so, And the same thing again was like we're spending so much time there hoping that if we change the outside, the inside changes, and it's actually an inside job. Yep. Like, it's a full-on inside job. You have a gift. Every person born has an instrument within themselves. Totally. And and how we bring that out, you know, well, that, that map is a really fun one to discover about yourself. And so, you know, that part of it now for, for what we do at Mazoo and what I do with my life on the sidebar of all of this, I, you know, is really working with people to understand that they have a specific gift sure. that they need to birth into the world.
1: No, I understand.
2: Really. And I think that that's, that's actually the journey.
1: I, I, I think it, it's interesting that you, you, you just mentioned that because like my wife and I were having this conversation yesterday. It's like I'm very much, and, and it literally took me probably until I was 33 to figure this out, and I'm 35 now. So like this is very, very new to me that i am very much now the type of person i never used to be to just like mm-hmm. book something and figure out how to make it happen in the future <laughs> then try to wait until the moon the stars the money <laughs> the life that everything aligns perfectly to actually do something right mm-hmm. and and i wish i wish it's like and i remember be specifically like you know obviously like older people when i was younger in my teens saying like you know what like take this advice i know i know you're young you're young and you probably won't but like i wish i did this when i was your age and like you always look back like oh like ah what does that guy know like who cares but then you get older and you're like yeah you like he was totally mm-hmm. right because there's so many things you don't consider but like if you just take that leap of faith or maybe you need somebody else to just book something for you like the the example Mm -hmm. i was gonna use like my my wife wants to run this marathon right okay and i told her i said just book it like just book it we'll figure it out who gives a shit like you can train whatever Mm -hmm. like all the like how to get there like doesn't really matter we'll figure it out right like um and a lot of it has nothing to do with actually the money involved in it but like she's scared to actually just book the thing right and like up until like a couple years ago i was Mm -hmm. the same the same way But like, what's Hmm. the worst case that happens? You don't show up. Like, who cares? Like, what's that's the absolute worst case? Is like you don't board the plane, and you don't go. Like, who cares? Like, nobody looks down on you. No, you don't. Maybe you know, but like, nobody else knows. Who cares, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, it's not like well, you touched on
2: something so interesting though, right? Sure. Because it's really about hope. Sure. Um, you know, like it's it's really about hope. It's really about faith. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're in scarcity, you're in fear. Right? Sure. Oh, that won't work out. Oh, I can't go there. We can't afford it. Oh, my gosh. If I go there, what if I fail? What if I don't get there? Oh, my God. And what if people go? And then that's, you know. So when we get in, in our fear-based selves, which everyone has, it's sure. like you're, you're in full-on scarcity. Yep. There is no, there's no place for the hope, right? Like you're saying, let's just book the trip. And, and you know what? We'll figure it out. That's actually an attitude of hope. You believe that that there is something that will make it work. And you don't really know all the ins and outs yet. Right?
3: Yeah, I
1: 100% agree. And like, but why does it matter? Like, who cares? Like, the thing that I think (laughs) that I wish, and I I wish I even just did it myself earlier in life, like, none of that stuff matters. Like, who
2: cares? Right?
1: Like, if she never does it, it doesn't matter. No. And like but if
2: she does what will she do the next time?
1: yeah well, totally and even like then I, if she
2: does it then what happens then right
1: totally but I would even like I, I think the perfect example is even you and I right now like if you never mm-hmm. just would have created Mazoo or I never started the show and I started the show out of pure and utter fear of public speaking like <laughs> absolute anxiety for days doing this right and so if i never just like eventually just sucked it up and went for it one day and like the early shows are awful go listen they're online um if if people don't actually just do it like who cares if people Mm -hmm. hate it who cares like i don't care Mm -hmm. nobody's ever Mm -hmm. sent me like hate mail because of it and they maybe they will now but like who cares who cares (laughs) that it's that person's problem right like who cares right right? like, what, how does nobody's that Nobody's
2: right in this scenario, right? No. Like, no one's right in this scenario. My opinions are my opinions, your opinions and your opinions. We're not right, exactly. but we're having a conversation about it. Totally. I always am so perplexed when people send in hate mails. like, no, you should have said it like this. Well, no, I enough. I said it like this. This is who I am. That's who you are. Great. Did it make you think? Great. Have conversations with your friends and family? Awesome. Like, you know, it's, it's not – there's not really a right or wrong to totally. it. Yep. You know? And, and then the same thing about, like – what, what is in our beings is fear and love. We have yep. equal components of fear and love. And, you know, not to be, bring the Bible in, but, you know, in the Bible, you know, it's, it's said 36, 365 times, one for every day. Do okay. not fear. 365 okay. times in throughout the whole Bible. It's, it's said 365 times. Do not fear. Okay. Now, Interesting. One for each day. You know, kind okay. of like, because, because even 2000 years ago, fear was such a prevalent part of who we are. Sure. And so at the same time, it also talked about that we are love. And so, and so it's pretty guaranteed within every single human being, we have part fear, parts love.
3: Sure.
2: And so the question that I always say to people at the end of the day, and I think it's a good segue for even your audience is which one's driving the bus? Sure. Is fear driving your bus or is love driving your bus? And when you can figure that out each day and start each day very intentional and present, you'll see that all your dreams are possible. Sure. Um, but you really do need to ask yourself, like, even for your wife, okay, is fear driving her bus or is love driving her bus? Sure. Because when love drives our bus, we're hopeful, we're excited, and we have faith. Yeah. Um, when, when fear drives our bus, we say, we can't do it. That won't work out for me. Oh my gosh, this is devastating. Sure. And, and so, if you think about those two pieces, is that the ultimate journey of our life, if we put all like all politics away, we put all of our identifiers and our labels away, we put all put faith, you know, and religion and all of that away and we go, okay, am I operating from a space of fear? Or am I operating from a space of love? Mm -hmm. And then the true challenge of our life is that each day, we, I just try to live closer and closer to love each day. And, and to sort of release and be accepting of what happens along that journey and and really that's the whole point of our life
1: janice i think we could probably talk about this for another hour or more but we're out of time so and i don't really think there's a better way to close that close the show Uh, Yeah, we should mention where people can get more information about Mazu and and yourself and and any other links you want to mention.
2: For sure. Yeah, if they just go to mazufamily.com, they'll hear our story there, can get in touch with me. By all means, any of your viewers that, you know, have any sort of listeners have any questions or just want to say, hey, I'm figuring something out. I'm happy to offer any kind of mentorship for that. And then if they download um, Mazu on the App Store um, and also Google Play. Um, Mazu is there. And bring your families to us. We're here to awaken families with love. That's what we're about.
1: Sure. And it's M-A-Z-U and then family. Dog. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Just the for say Z.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I always pronounce it like <laughs> that. Uh, right? as a, As a fellow Canadian, <laughs> I always pronounce it like the American way um but uh i know i'm always
2: trying to do that too and then i always forget so okay well thank you thank you for having me i really appreciate it
1: well well thanks for taking the time of your day to be on the show and i look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day
2: okay you too bye thanks very now. much okay bye bye
0: thanks for listening please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community sign up for our newsletter or to sponsor the show The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com. And keep building the future.